Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com, and that includes our most recent off-the-couch podcast episode that I recorded with Matt Hart, who is the author of Win at All Costs. Now, I mentioned this book in my reviewing the news conversation that I had with Cody Townsend, and then just a few days later, I sat down with Matt himself to talk about this eye-opening and alarming book about Nike. So I highly recommend that you listen to that episode and you can find it at blisterreview.com or find it wherever you get your podcasts. Just look up Off the Couch. Okay, today on Gear 30, you are going to get part one of a two-part series on ski quivers And so a couple days ago, Luke Coppa and I sat down in Blister HQ to kind of kick off this little mini series. And then for next week's episode, we'll be talking with Sasha Anastas and Paul Forward, and we'll be answering some of your quiver questions. So send those into us via the contact us page that you can find in the navigation bar of our website. And you know, if you can't find it, well, then your questions probably weren't going to be very good anyway, because that's just a little bit of a filter. So it probably everybody wins in the end. So anyway, contact us, page. send us your quiver questions. We'll get through some of them next week. And this particular episode of Gear 30 is presented by our blister recommended shop, Powderhound, which is located in Girdwood, Alaska. Now, a lot of you already know Powderhound from episode number 41 of Gear 30, and I had that conversation with Powderhound's owner, Eric Helmbrecht, and we'll include a link to that episode in the show notes to this episode. And then just a little teaser here, if you listen to today's What We're Celebrating segment at the end of this conversation, you're going to get a bit of insight into a conversation that I recently had with Eric And we're going to have to have him back on Gear 30 to talk about coffee in a K. But I digress here. And what you need to know about Powderhound right now is that their backcountry gear inventory is selling, you know, like those proverbial hotcakes. And so if you want particular backcountry products, you should head into Powderhound ASAP. Also, if you want to beat the crowds, it would be very wise of you to get your setup dialed in before Alieska Resort opens on December 18th. So you should head over to powderhoundak.com to schedule a boot fitting. And while you're on the website, you can check out everything else that they've got going on. So that's powderhoundak.com. And now let's go ahead and talk to Luke Kappa about, honestly, a whole bunch of stuff. And so with that, here we go. All right. I am here with Luke Kappa in Blister headquarters, located in Elevation Hotel, which is located very close to the chairlifts that are now officially spinning. Now, Luke You got out today. I did not. We'll talk about why I did not get out in a minute. But before we get going here, and we're going to get into some ski quiver talk today, there's a couple of things I have to ask you about. Now, I believe the last time we were sitting in headquarters recording a Gear 30 conversation, 
there was a knock at the door and a very nice woman delivered some, I think, I believe I called it hippie soap for you. Then like, I think a week later, there was a knock at the door of my house and another very nice lady dropped off a box. I opened it and it was actually a package for you. You had just put my name on it and my address. Yeah. I don't really know how addresses work. I don't <laughs> I don't know if they deliver if it was addressed to me. For reference, nothing gets delivered to my place. So right. I just I ship to whoever I can. So, but I opened this and it looked like more Luke soap. Turns out it wasn't soap though. What what did you order? What was in the box? It's basically just air fresheners. You can get like these little lamp things that, heat up they like heat up it's just a little light bulb that heats up a basically a glass bowl and you put like these wax cubes in them and it makes your room smell not like ski base layers and hiking shoes um so yeah that's all it was and i think i feel like the people are gonna side with me in that (laughs) wanting your room to not smell like just garbage (laughs) is the normal thing and not some alien move by just weirdos um yeah was this some sort of hippie air freshener like was there a big backstory about no it's more like a. it's kind of one of those like semi not pyramid schemes but like pure where like you can you can sign up to become like a salesperson it's like um oh no there's that jewelry company that gives away pink cars um uh, the company's called sensi one of my best friends from home sells that stuff oh no so i can i need an air freshener anyways and some of the money goes to her so like it's a win 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 as michael scott would put it so you are involved in an air freshener ponzi scheme no i'm not selling it to anyone so if it is a ponzi scheme and that the branch ends with me because i'm too busy to try and sell air fresheners to people but um makes my room smell good makes my car smell good what are what do you like better? What's the better product? Your your Ponzi scheme air fresheners or your hippie soap? The hippie soap is is yet to prove itself because I left it in my car and my car has been in the shop <laughs> okay. for about a month. Um, so I have only used one of them, and I've not been impressed with it as shampoo so far. But um, Steph from Guten Co. Mm-hmm listened to that podcast apparently which i didn't know she was a listener hi steph hi steph um she is kind of on the same train of like not liking shampoos that have a bunch of detergents in them that like dry your hair out super harshly and she recommended me this (laughs) if you thought the other stuff was hippie soap uh this new brand is made from i think the main ingredient is like rice water and I don't know. It's made with some like another, a different traditional soap making technique. So I ordered some of that (laughs) and we'll see how that goes. But the ironic thing is like, I started brushing my hair a lot more often and just doing that has made things drastically better without any shampoo. So that's Luke's update on his hair. (laughs) I can see. I really think we need to start a podcast just called hippie soap. Where pretty much I just ask you random, like what? It's a nightmare industry because like everyone 
just claims these magical things but from everything i've seen in my experience it all like it's super dependent on your body and like your scalp and your hair like what works for you um and i've tried a bunch of stuff that works great for other people and doesn't work at all for me and then i think maybe that's what led to me just giving up and being like i'm not gonna use shampoo yeah i also might cut all my hair off at the end of the season yes we'll see but i think before i do that if i did do that i would bleach it for one week and then cut it into a mullet for the last week of lifts skiing but that's tbd wow i'm so happy i asked this question one more thing i need to ask you about what did you have for breakfast this morning i had buttered noodles (laughs) (laughs) now is that like a normal is that a wisconsin no the way my diet works is that i find one type of meal in meal in quotes that i like and that is really easy to make and i eat pretty much just that for breakfast and or lunch and dinner every day for like usually one to three months. So buttered noodles was, well, like noodles in general was the most recent thing. I, I would make like a pound or two of noodles, put the extras in Tupperware and just have that to yeah. eat. One of my good friends thinks I'm a psychopath for like eating noodles, like plain noodles as leftovers. I think they taste just fine. But I mentioned earlier that my car has been in the shop for a month. Uh-huh. And while the CB bus service is excellent. Spectacular. I also don't like carrying around bags of groceries yeah. to and from the bus. And like the during the summer and off season, the bus stop is not close to my house. During the winter, it's literally like down the stairs, which mm-hmm. is great. So I have just been stocking up and then just cleaning out all my cabinets with whatever food is left. Um, which is also why I haven't been in the post office in forever. But anyways, yeah, I have had one bowl of buttered noodles with, I do get the nice Parmesan cheese ah. and put a bunch of garlic salt on it. It's really healthy. Um, so that's mostly what I've been eating lately. For breakfast? It's just, just I mean, I just got time. hungry earlier today. Usually I'll have like a like a 11 o'clock breakfast or something yeah. like that, or just skip it or have breakfast and lunch. And then we like to call it having sleep for dinner um, <laughs> when you don't feel like making dinner and and or need to preserve the food you have until your next grocery store trip. So, yeah, I'm just obviously just thriving these days. You are. You look like you're thriving. We've kind of buried the lead here because it is opening day. Wait, people didn't come here to listen, listen well, about soap and butter noodles? I mean, they probably did. They they came here for the quiver talk, but they stayed for the, the buttered noodle talk. It's opening day. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Ski things are happening. Yeah. This is kind of a big deal. Now, you, quite literally just got off the mountain. I was not out today. So allow us to live vicariously through you. What was it like riding chairlifts and carving turns? It was weird at first. Cause like normally, I mean, we're between various resorts. We're testing skis via lifts until at least the end of May, right. often first or second week of June. This year I did like, it was almost nine months since I had ridden a chairlift. Like we had, like I still did the ski at least every month thing. Um, so I had been skiing, but like, 
yeah, it was weird to be able to get on a chairlift and just lap. And mostly it, I just miss skiing fast is like in the back country every once in a while, we'll like the conditions and avalanche conditions will align and you'll be able to confidently ski fast. But most of the time I just want to like make the most of a line I just hiked up to get to. Yeah. So like being able to ski fast, being able to carve really hard was amazing and came back instantly which i was like genuinely worried about like am i gonna remember how to do this but it was all very intuitive it was great to be able to go out with like my roommates and ski with other people and everything seemed to go pretty smoothly like obviously like most resorts cbmr mask mandate at the base area when you're in the lift line um spreading people out but all things considered like it felt pretty normal and yeah mostly especially as as more terrain opens it's starting to feel like i feel like this is the normal time of year for me and yeah it's nice nice to be back for sure we should tell the people what did you take out to celebrate the start of chairlift season yeah so i told jonathan that at at least one of the days opening week i was gonna it was gonna be a a selfish day and I would ski the line blade because as I like, even though we started skiing at like mid season last year, when everything was open, I was like, this is going to be the perfect early season ski when it's predominantly groomers. And those groomers are predominantly not very steep. At least that's how it is here. And it was perfect. Like I can't like, apart from the line Sakana, I can't imagine a better ski for, the terrain that was open, the conditions and my skiing style. So it was a blast. I, I think I made more turns than just about everyone else on the mountain. Um, (laughs) and my legs were toast by the bottom, despite it being pretty flat. So yeah, that was pretty much perfect. I was, I just went in my, the Nordica Strider boots I've had for, I think this is probably their fourth season and they are showing it, but every year like the first few weeks my toes just hate me and that's the most comfortable boot i own but yeah yeah it was it was a very good setup for the day Hmm. bluebird day right yeah like i think like 30 degrees and sunny which is like perfect skiing conditions yeah and we had just gotten i think depending on where in the valley like six to eight inches monday night i think but yeah it's it's looking very good so i was not out today in large part because I think there's, well, hopefully I'm not the only person. I, I kind of suspect there's going to be quite a few people in this boat, not Luke, but, you know, CBMR is on the Epic Pass. And as many of you probably know, you know, there's this reservation system. And I, uh, I don't know, was probably in the middle of my typically pretty wildly busy week. And I just missed like the, hey, it's time to reserve your days. And uh, so by the time I went to, and to be honest, I actually, I mean, we didn't know how many people, I don't, I still don't think we know like how many people they're allowing on the mountain right now or on a given day. And our understanding at least is this is going to have something to do like as they are able to open up more terrain, open up more chairlifts, that number should go up in terms of number of people that will be permitted on the mountain, which actually all seems perfectly reasonable to me. So, um, yeah, so I kind of missed the spot. So my first ski day is going to be, well, this Saturday at the moment, unless something pops up. So we're all now kind of playing this refresh game on our 
reservation, uh, the Epic Pass reservation system. And there are like literally one spot kind of pops open on a given day. And so we're kind of playing that game right now. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, this is not a complaint whatsoever. If it's like, this is now about all of us being smart enough to enjoy inbound skiing, make sure all of our ski areas get to remain open. And so I'm not mad in the least uh, that I got to wait a couple days. Yeah, I think especially given that a lot of areas only have like a couple lifts open. I'm and the fact that like case numbers are rising just about everywhere in the US. Um, I am totally content with maybe missing a day or two of groomer laps if that means everyone else, including myself, gets to ski some bigger terrain later in the year. So, yeah, I'm hopeful. Everything seemed to, like, apart from folks not being able to reserve and, like, several people, like, my buddies managed to just randomly get, like, I think four out of the five coming days all yesterday. But apart from that, everything ran pretty smoothly and made me optimistic about the season. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. So, you got your selfish first day out on the blade but as we've been saying on the website we're about to drop into some significant front side ski testing so talk a little bit about some of the skis that we kind of have in front of us yeah so we have a lot um we have almost the entire k2 disruption line uh we have the parlor warbird which is definitely a standout in that it's from a small custom manufacturer uh we have a couple of the new solomon stance skis we've got the solomon s force bold uh we've got the liberty v series and evolve series um we just like literally half an hour ago as a recording got some of dps's new pagoda piece series we've got the elan wingman 86 cti um <laughs> yeah we oh we've got Two new renowned skis on the way, the Atlas 80 and the Endurance 88, um, which are two very different looking skis, which will be exciting. Um, Say a word about the Atlas versus the Endurance 88. Yeah, so the Endurance 88 is a narrower Endurance 98, and the Endurance 98 is very much an all-mountain ski with a pretty modern tapered shape, tip-and-tail rocker. Um, So the 88 is just essentially a narrower version of that on paper. Uh, the Atlas is much more similar to the renowned Z-Line 90. Um, pretty traditional carver shape, definitely piste oriented. And like all renowned skis, they feature uh, their unique, they're now calling it Vibe Stop, um, non-Newtonian polymer, which makes them very different. Um, and I'm curious, especially that 88, uh, the Endurance 88, to see if how it'll compare in terms of on-piece performance, but it seems based on the 98, like seems like very much an all mountain ski for that with not some dedicated carver, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to ABCD EFG test all all those skis and it's a great time of year to do it. Okay. So let's talk a bit about ski quiver selections. We've been starting to roll this out on our website by the time people are hearing this on Friday, we will have rolled out our five ski quivers, four ski quivers, and I think at least the bulk of our three ski quivers. What do you want to say about this, Luke? It's always a fun thought experiment every year. And like 
as I'm looking through everyone's and editing theirs and building the post, it's, it's always interesting to see how people, other people's picks change and how mine change. But again, like these are, this is like the one time of year when we get to purely talk about what we want and what yeah. we like and why we like it. And that's kind of nice. And it also brings up some thoughts about how different people think about quivers in different ways. And personally, I've kind of noticed two themes. First, as I've been talking with like hundreds and hundreds of members yeah. this uh, this year and helping them pick out their skis, it's it's funny for me when I go to make my own quiver. I'm like, I, I spend all my time talking about all these really intuitive and sensible and like easy skis or skis that are really safe bets. Um, but then I look at my quiver and I'm like, I wouldn't recommend these skis to that many people. Mm -hmm. Um, like I love the line Sir Francis bacon. I love the blade. I love the K2 Reckoner 102 and the Rossi black ops 118. While all of those skis could be amazing for someone else, just like they're amazing for me. They are pretty, they're pretty out there on certain ends of the spectrum. They're not safe bets in the middle. But I think when I'm thinking about a quiver, like I just want to be on a ski that I know I'm going to have a ton of fun on. And while there are other skis out there that could be, could be slightly more fun in a wider range of conditions or for different skiing styles, like the ones I pick are just like, I know that I can have a very good time on them most of the time. It's just funny how niche the skis in my quivers seem to be, at least from my perspective. And the other thing is just that I I like to set up a quiver in a way that each ski is very, very different from the others, rather than having all the skis being very similar. And that seems to be um, kind of a split, and there may be like a third or fourth option that I'm not thinking of, but it seems to me like most people either want all their skis to be pretty similar to each other so they don't have to change like how they ski very much when switching between, which makes a ton of sense. And then there's people like me who want like, like I want to get on this ski and like go through the park and ski in a totally different way than I would on the Black Ops 118 when I just want to ski fast and hard. So yeah, it's, it's always a fun time of year and seems like new themes keep arising every year. I think one of the thoughts or things I'm really noticing or thinking about this year is it still feels like it's lost on quite a few people that when we, when we are rolling out this particular ski quiver selection series, I mean, we say this in the introduction, by the way, dear people reading, 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 reading comprehension, especially people who are sending DMS on Instagram you are the worst offenders, which is probably why you're DMing us on Instagram. But seriously, people, I'm going to not swear right now. I'm just going to very politely encourage you to read. That was, I think I exercised a lot of restraint right there, Luke. Yeah. Luke was, Luke was like <laughs> bracing. I've heard different, inter <laughs> or, yeah, different versions of that general statement uh -huh. with different words. But yeah, as you said, these are ours it's not about you. Sometimes it's all about you and it's not about us. These are all about us. It's not about you. But what we think is one, it's perhaps interesting to just see like how we chop this up ourselves. But two, as we 
sort of say, if you want help finding out your own quiver selections, read our full reviews. Please read our buyer's guide. Look at our quiver selections that we put in our buyer's guide. And then if you still are confused, as a lot of people might still be, understandably, become a Blister member, send us an email. I do also find that it's interesting that it still is, and I, you know, I understand this when I start thinking about things like coffee makers or tires or these other categories of products. People, you know, do sometimes just want to be told, like, what's the best? And, you know, I, I think somebody asked us, what is the best POW ski out there, regardless of where you live? And I was like, I, that literally short circuits my brain. Like, I don't know how to think about this stuff with all context removed. And I think that that sometimes, you know, generalizations are nice. Providing guidance is a good thing. But sometimes, I mean, what we try to avoid at Blister is just throwing out certain products, saying to everybody it's the best, not really saying why or best at what, and then just moving on. And I understand the temptation to want that kind of an answer. But I think at a certain point, things just kind of break down and we do kind of need to know where are you skiing? Where do you want this ski to shine? What don't you care about? You know, and so on and so forth. And so I, I think those are, it, it's interesting to see some of the comments on the site, like understandably wrestling, I think, with some of these things. And uh, we're, you know, we just had a conversation again today about some things that we're going to try to do on the site that might address some of that. But uh, I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot this year, if that makes sense. I don't blame anyone, especially like people, like people who aren't super gear nerds. Mm -hmm. Like for me and for a lot of people, especially people who read our site, like it's fun to learn about this stuff. But for other people, it's like utilitarian approach. Like I just want to know just give me the just, thing. Just tell me. Yeah. And I totally understand that. Yeah. Like, I need a new vacuum. I just want someone to tell me which one is best for the price. And that's also like why the Blister membership is great because you don't need to, if, if you want to just buy the membership, you can. You don't need to sort through every review. We'll help you out. Yeah. But yeah, there's also like, like I'm, now I'm trying to think of like the people who run the Blister for vacuums. Um, like, do they get mad about needing to put out these simplified articles where I'm like, well, really, if like you have shag carpeting from 1973, this one is actually better. But I think in the grand scheme of things, if you really want to have like the best time out on the hill, spending time like focusing on the nuances makes sense and it'll make a difference. So another thing that I've been thinking about going through the annual exercise of selecting these quivers is... You know, honestly, there are quite a few skis out there that I do really like and that I just personally get along with. I think the same is true of you as well. And, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot. I have a, I've maybe mentioned this before on a Gear 30. One of the things I absolutely hate when you're trying to like get information on any category of product when you're looking through some stuff and people end up being like, yeah, but you know, they're all great. You can't go wrong. To me, that is just like, if we've ever said that on blister, I'm really disappointed in us because I'm just like, 
that's not ultimately helpful enough, right? Like unless two products are just identical, you can draw no differences in terms of performance, then just say how they're different. Like, right? Like don't end with the like, but you know what? Don't worry about it. You came here for guidance, but you can't go wrong. It's like, well, thanks. I might as well not have read anything. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you're talking about. Like, like... I'm talking about everything, Luke. Well, except hippie I soap. disagree with you. Because <laughs> there are certain things that I've used two different things that are tech, technically are different, but the differences are so have such a minute impact on your experience that I would say you can't go wrong. All right. Any of the equipment that we've reviewed... Like base layers that use the same material... Okay. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm mostly thinking about apparel since there's... But then you get into differences of fit. And like... Like, like the... <laughs> so this is what I just said, though. If they are literally sort of the same product, same fit, but I feel like a lot of times it's like you just were too lazy. You didn't... You you took us to... You took us to tea. I, I see what you're saying. I just think there are like for certain things it doesn't make sense to spend a paragraph describing the nuances. I'm talking about very simplistic things, like probably what? not outdoor gear, like, like so. fucking chocolate bar. Like, okay. Okay. Well, okay. We're far afield now. <laughs> well, you said everything, well, <laughs> but like the, so like, this is just proof. I'm in a these better reviews, reviewer than I know I'm almost positive. I'm 99% sure that we did not use, I can't remember the last time I've said the phrase, you can't go wrong. The Black Diamond you. Helio Active Shell and the Patagonia Ascensionist Jacket both use a Gore-Tex Active Membrane with a CNET backer, and I believe they have the same face fabric. The fits are almost identical. The pocket layout is different, which we go into, but like for people who want a very, very lightweight, packable, breathable shell for being fully waterproof in our experience, I think 90% of the population would be equally content with those two, like okay. one versus the other. Anyway, I, I just think when we start like literally everything, you can't ever use the phrase, you can't go wrong. I think that's a, a so, bit excessive. One, I just proved I'm a better reviewer than Luke. Two, I have never, I've never of any ski boot, ski binding, ski, or mountain bike that I've ever been on in the context of a review, never have I been like, just get either one. It like, it's doesn't matter. I think, yeah, for stuff that complex, that makes sense. There's somewhere it's a really, really, it's like almost a, almost a coin flip. Which one? Give me your. Dina Star Menace 98 and the Nordica Soul Rider 97. They're extremely similar, both extremely good. Been recommending them to a ton of people this year. But the big difference is that they come in different lengths. So they actually complement each other really well. You got a 181 Menace, a 185 Soul Rider, 187 Menace. But so that, you just actually disproved your point though. It's like that you're like, they're so similar. Go with whichever size yeah, range. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, if they were in equal sizes, I don't Grasshopper. No. So... All that said, that was a long tangent. Yeah, um, really keeping it concise this time. Right, I know. <laughs> that said, I think there are a lot of good products out there. I now am on record for why I hate the suggestion that you quote unquote can't go wrong. 
And so then I think it just really gets down into this, like the art of picking the best ski for you or the right ski for you. And that's certainly our hope that we help line you up with the, not the best product in the world, but the best product for you out there. These days, I think there are a lot of, if we're talking about skis, a lot of skis out there that you could have a good time on and the the next level is just finding the ones that you can have the best time yeah. on. Um, like today, I could have gone out on, I mean, shit, like any under 100 millimeters underfoot ski from our buyer's guide and been pretty happy because I was skiing and there was groomers. But I'm like totally confident that the blade was the ski that was going to let me have the most fun. For what you were looking to do today. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. what it does. Yeah. There are tons of people I know like like who just want to be able to get down the hill or like have a top sheet they like and I get along great with those people. I love skiing with them. They're yeah. fun to ski with, but like yeah, like I'm never going to fault someone who doesn't want to um put in significant effort into like researching this stuff because it's not worth it on their end. Like they they just go skiing a couple times a year. They just want to have a good time. That's totally fine. But there are, there. Are, I think there are levels to kind of the suitability of a product. Certain ones are just going to be a little bit better or a lot better in certain cases. A little bit of a footnote, I guess. There are some things that we are now working on. We talked about it again today that we're going to kind of roll out sort of related to what we've just been talking about. So that is a cryptic teaser stay tuned. Do you want to talk a little bit about your particular three ski quiver? Um, so for reference, started with a five ski quiver. It was the Majesty Super Wolf, Line Vision 108, Line Blade. I think it was the Line Sir Francis Bacon and the Rosino Black Ops 118. And then four ski, I dropped the blade and replaced the Sir Francis Bacon with the K2 Reckoner 102. And then for three ski, finally I had to consolidate the two touring skis into one and it's a ski that I'm very excited about. Um, so last season, Sam Shaheen was testing the moment wildcat tour 108 and it made its way back to Crested Butte It made its way back to Crested Butte this summer. So I finally got to start skiing it and it's one I've always wanted to ski a few days on it so far, really excited about it after that initial time. But basically I think it would be the best ski for me to cover mellow midwinter touring where we're not skiing really steep or open train. Most of the time I'm always looking for stuff to jump off. I like to ski switch. So it fills all those criteria. And then spring and summer I'm walking long distances to ski terrible snow and it handles that pretty well. Like I know there are people who would prefer a narrower ski for those firmer spring conditions, but um, based on my time skiing the regular Wildcat 108, I don't think I have any issues. And the Wildcat Tour 108 handles that kind of stuff a little better than the Vision 108, in my opinion, since it's a little bit stiffer, a little bit uh, longer side cut radius. So not quite as inclined to kind of pull you across the fall line when you're making sketchy hop turns on ice um, when you don't want to fall. So, and then Reckoner 102, just one of the most playful skis I've been on. I can't think of a day from last season when I didn't enjoy being on it. And everything from refrozen stuff to groomers to pow. 
and then the black ops 118 is obviously the greatest ski of all time um that's my three ski quiver this year for my three skis i'm going to keep my raven as my single touring ski i am gonna keep the bonafide 97 blizzard bonafide 97 as my narrower inbound ski every time i write this well there's an increasing two skis that i keep feeling like i'm sort of cheating on by putting the bonafide there i keep thinking about the j skis master blaster though i want conditions to be a little bit softer for that ski they can be firm and kind of crappy if it's really rock hard and if we're going to ice then i'd want to ski with a bit more bite i also been thinking a lot about the head monster 83 though it's really not a ski that is eligible because it's been discontinued and we need to we need to have a a full-on wake or something for the monster series at this point because a lot of good skis have been laid to rest uh, including that monster 83 um, so given that, I'm going to stick with my Bonafide 97. The other ski I'm introducing is the ON3P Woodsman 108 in a 187. And I'm doing that because I still want for my sort of other resort ski, something in that kind of 108 width that also is going to have to work as my, as my deep day ski. And I still think I would take that woodsman 108 over most everything else in the category it is a very good all mountain ski but when things start getting deep that's where i feel like there it starts leaving more and more kind of 105 to 108 millimeter wide skis in the dust when it comes uh, to its flotation so that's going to be uh that's going to be the ski rounding out my three ski quiver but luke as i've been thinking through this I keep thinking about, I'm just going to call it the Rozzy Sender TI because it shouldn't be called the Rozzy Black Ops Sender TI because that would be silly. Do you feel like I am sleeping on that ski? So we had you, I, and Eric Friesen all skied that ski last year. Mm -hmm. I didn't love it. It's not my type of ski. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a similar thing that happened with the black crows corvus where i was like i this is a good directional ski but like i feel like i do have to be pretty or like skiing in a pretty directional style to enjoy it and that's how i felt about the center ti personally i i was feeling like it should have been i wish the suspension was a little bit better the plus side was it did feel very energetic which is kind of somewhat rare when you have a ski that's stable knowing your preferences I don't think that's going to replace skis in your quiver. But Eric Friesen did choose it as kind of the everyday resort ski for his four ski quiver this year. Um, he really likes it. Paul Forward um, wants to try it. Might try and get it up to him if um, if Eric hasn't further destroyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I would be surprised if that replaces like a Woodsman or a Cochise or an Enforcer 104 for you. Maybe it, maybe it replaces the Ranger 102. That's that's more what I would equate it to, but it's also not as maneuverable in my opinion. Maybe I also don't like that ski because all I've been telling Rosinal to do for yeah. the past three years yeah. is make literally, literally shave five millimeters off each side of the Black Ops 118 and leave it at that. That's the ski you should be selling. 
And the center TI is still a very good ski for a lot of people, but I think I'm, I'm still very, very bitter about the fact that they made it a, a flat tail directional ski instead right. of a, it's definitely not just, it's not merely a skinnier it's black not ops. Close 20. to a black ops 2018. Yeah. yeah. It's a totally different design. Was there another ski you were going to ask me about? I think you need to get back on the K2 men, mind bender 108 TI. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I think that's a excellent ski. It's one I, I get along with way better than the sender TI. Um, and I think it's a really fun combination of good suspension. I mean, very good stability, especially these days when skis are still fairly light. I love how it carves and it's really nice and maneuverable for its size and weight uh, in CB's tight terrain. I think that's a ski you should get on later this season. That's been interesting because I think it was actually you and Sam who have been like, I don't know, singing the praises a bit louder than me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I actually would, should be the person just preference wise, ski yeah. wise, who should like that the most of the three of us. Yeah. And maybe it was like a similar situation with the Rossi skis in that you wanted it to be a line supernatural 108. Oh yeah. And that's not what it is. I did. Huh. Um, so I, I, we are, we are human and maybe, maybe we have those, those biases showing, especially in like our quiver picks. Ah, the line supernatural 108. <sighs> Pour one out for that one too. Okay, I think now this is what we're gonna do. We are. This is part one. We are gonna run a ski quiver selection episode next week as well, where we are going to talk to a few of our other blister reviewers about their quiver selections. And then in addition to that, we would invite you to send in some of your own quiver questions and we will answer those next week. Luke, where should people send their questions? So the best option will just be to go to our website and then uh, the contact us page is under about us and you can just send a note through that and we'll try to answer as many as we can. Cool. All right, we're winding this episode down, but before we get to what we're celebrating this week, we've got a, I don't know, maybe this becomes a permanent little segment or series for us uh, called Luke's Rants. This is kind of fun because I feel like I'm usually the one ranting. So it's nice to have, you know, you've got your own rant corner now. So um, Luke's Rants, what do you feel like ranting about today, Luke? Um, the ironic thing is like, I won't, I won't rant about serious stuff. I'm like, well, I'd, I'd like really need to learn more about this before I have a strong opinion about it. But just like, just stupid little things for some reason make me mad. Like when you get the length of a ski off by one centimeter or someone misspells the product name or forgets that Rosignol decided to put Black Ops in the name of every single product in their lineup this no, year. No, that's, that's, that's not forgetting. That's on I'm principle. I'm just saving our SEO, man. <laughs> um, but anyway, the one this week, and it's something, it's not like time sensitive or anything like that, but just something I see all the time when, especially on like internet forums or just talking to people in ski shops, like this constant equation of stiffer equals more stable like i always hear people say like well like this ski is stiffer so like it's definitely more of a charger and 
as we've discussed so many times before, especially with light and stiff skis, that's probably not the case. And then even more like adding on another level to it, like a lot of times people don't even know what they're talking about in terms of stiffness. Like they'll say like ski X is stiffer than ski Y. I'm like, no, it's not like you could look at our flex pattern numbers and they would tell you that likely. But I, I just feel like we're at a point like skis have been around for a while where we should realize that stability, the stability at speed of a ski is not solely dependent on stiffness. It's also not solely dependent on weight. I think I would argue that I think as a general rule, if you were to say heavier skiers are more stable, I think that'd be more accurate than stiffer skis are more stable because I've skied some just horrendous lightweight carbon packed touring skis that are really stiff. But I guess, I guess we talked about like the nuance of stuff um, and people not really wanting to go into that earlier. But for some reason that has just been popping up more and more often and I feel like there should be a PSA about it. There just was one. It was called Luke's Rant. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, I feel like you kind of stole that from me though. But I'll. I'll I mean, okay. you've been you've been banging like the drum about s- stiffness in general, but it's just like this. I just I've maybe I've been seeing it more and more. And especially, I can see if you're like if they're saying ski X is stiffer than this other skin. You're like, no, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Then we're just, we're just off the rails on yeah, so many different yeah. levels. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's shift from a rant to things we're celebrating. What are you celebrating in particular this week, Luke? Uh, I got to go skiing and that's, um, oh, and I have a snow surfboard now. <gasps> This is what you have to talk about. Yes. Yeah. I can't believe we almost made it out of this episode. This is a kind of a huge development. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have a lot of skis to test, so I don't <laughs> think it's going to become a major part of my life. But like, I think the last time I had ridden like a snowboard was probably in Wisconsin when on like firm hard pack snow, which is just a terrible idea. Okay, let's just back this up. We're talking about snurfing and no boards and you being on one back in Wisconsin. How long ago? Uh, it was probably when I was in high school, I think. And that was just because like we couldn't afford to buy like snowboards with bindings. So <laughs> that's the only reason. But anyway, like I think two or three weeks ago, a bunch of my friends, like Polly, one of the folks in town, her dad actually makes snowboards and we've always like, we've been able to borrow hers, which is super nice of her. And they're just stupid fun on any sort of soft snow on any sort of angle slope. What does that mean? Any sort of, all slopes are angled by definition. Any sort of slope angle. Okay. Whether it's, whether it's 20 degrees or... Well, I haven't taken it on like 40 degrees yet. (laughs) I think I need more practice before then. But just like like 25 degree slopes that I would not, I I, I wouldn't think it would be worth it to hike with a pair of skis. Yeah. But it's just so much better. And like all the, if there are any people up in like BC or Montana, they're like, yeah, cool dude. Like you should have learned about this like eight years ago. Like it's very trendy right now. I realize I'm way behind the curve, but finally being able to do it a little bit more often the past few weeks when the lifts weren't running, the backcountry wasn't really filled yeah. in. It was just like the perfect activity, like last hour of daylight, get six to 10 runs in of a couple hundred feet. And yeah, I think if, if I wasn't testing skis, 
well, I would definitely have a snowboard at all times, but probably have a snowboard or two, especially for powder days. Cause it's, yeah, it, it had been a while since I'd ridden a board in POW and it very much just, I, I wake surf in the summers when I go back home to Wisconsin. It's just like that pretty much. Do we need to say anything more about, is there someone listening who doesn't know what a no board is? Can we literally just say a snowboard without bindings? Yeah, in general. Um, there are like, there are brands that only make no boards and um, some of them, it's a super simple construction. Like you can make your own. And if I was less busy, I would have tried um, like Grant Spear at uh, Butte Co made his own where you can just take a few sheets of plywood, some epoxy and fiberglass and manage to bend it into a rocker profile. Some like the simple ones don't have like a base material. Like it's just wood based covered in epoxy. Usually you either have like a, a foam pad that's similar to what's on a wake surfboard instead of bindings or, and, or you'd have like some of the boards that Polly has is just like a, it's literally a bike tube stretched over it. So you just slide your feet in there, but there's no high back or any support like that. And the gist of it is that it, it's, it feels more like surfing because surfboards don't have hard, stiff bindings on them. And it's really fun and anyone should try it. And my recommendation would be to, if you can find like, now that there are a bunch of regular snowboards that are like short and stubby or like super long designed purely for powder. If you can find an old one of those and just slap a foam pad on it, that's pretty sweet because it can be expensive. And that's what we did yesterday and it worked out great. And you got to like go first or something because you paid for the foam or how did that go? I get like, I think we're just going to share it. Um, Butte Co. had a board that one of our friends actually uh, ran into a tree with the board and snapped the tip so they weren't really going to be able to uh, rent it out but i paid for the like 60 dollars foam pad and they provided the, like 500 dollars snowboard but we'll we'll share it but i think i i now get priority because i paid for that little pad and provided the leash with some climbing dyneema cord perfect what i'm celebrating this is i was like weirdly kind of a teaser but i had a conversation with Paul Forward a couple hours ago and it is awesome and was hilarious and it is bringing me a lot of joy and it has to do with coffee in Alaska and or maybe I should just say coffee around Girdwood, Alaska and uh, I cannot wait to tell you more about this in next week's Gear 30 episode where we will have Paul on the show talking about his quiver selections, but also talking about coffee. And then, uh, yeah, so honestly, it was it's one of my favorite things that happened this week. And uh, so stay tuned for that. And then speaking of coffee, tonight I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be sitting down because I, I asked this question and I was told by several listeners that this is a fine thing to do, to be like toasting coffee with my Whistlepig Whiskey, which I did a few weeks ago. Tonight, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be writing about coffee and coffee makers, but I'm going to be drinking Whistlepig while I do that. And that sounds delightful. People have been asking, you know, how's it going with the Mocha Master? What are you learning? And so we're going to, we're going to kind of start the process here. So I'm celebrating coffee in Girdwood, Alaska, and then writing about coffee while drinking whiskey, I guess. So that's what I got this week. 
I'll be not drinking out of it. How much is a Mocha Master? Uh, 300. More than $15. Um, <laughs> I'll be having instant coffee tomorrow because, again, I haven't been to the grocery store in a while and I ran out of coffee filters this morning. Aw, sad Luke. <laughs> I have coffee filters for you. can have some. But it's also like, I think it's supposed to be good instant coffee, so I'm curious to try it. Oh, are you finally getting into the first descent stuff? Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. I've been wondering, because I was like, we had it in headquarters, and I was like, did Luke take that? Or Because I was looking for it the other day. I'm I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on this. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap for this week. Ski quivers, buttered noodles, no boards, coffee in Alaska. I think we covered it all. Ski season is back. The lifts are spinning. I hope they are somewhere near you, ideally. Let's all commit again to doing our best to navigate these times in a very responsible way, if only for the very selfish reason, because we want to keep ski season around. I mean, we hope you stay alive, but I mean, like, let's be honest, don't shut down ski season. So, you know, and stay alive if you can. So be safe out there and we will talk to you again real soon. Okay, and that brings us to the end of another edition of Gear 30. And if you are enjoying these conversations, then be sure to subscribe to Gear 30. And, you know, leave us that little five-star rating in iTunes and tell your friends about the show. I also want to say thanks to Luke Coppa for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. Until next time, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon.